Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text today for this message is going to be taken from the reading in the book of Colossians on this, what is the last Sunday in the church year. Uh, We begin today with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we give you thanks that you have gathered us here at your church where we might hear your word, be refreshed by your sacraments, and sent forth to proclaim your good news in this dark and dying world. We pray, O Lord, that you would make us bold in our faith, but even more bold in our confidence towards you. Lord, we pray that we would be kept firm in our belief and that you would teach us to proclaim your mercies. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. How is it all going to end? What will be the grand finale? Will it go out with a bang? Or will we fade away in a sort of slow whimper? How will it end? I am, of course, asking you about the final installment of Star Wars, which will be coming out uh, next month, because I really want to know how is it going to end. If you are not aware of Star Wars, I am no Star Wars nut but I really do like those movies. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but this is the final installment of the nine-part series of Star Wars will be coming out in December, and we are all very excited about this because I cannot wait to see how it will end. Will the Jedi return and vanquish the dark side once and for all, or will it be another victory for the light side of the Force only to see the dark side rise again to power and yet another spinoff reminding us that teaching from Eastern mysticism is out there which says that we live in an unending struggle between the yin and the yang, realities, good and evil, light and dark. How is it going to end? I don't know. But I will tell you this. If you find out before I do and you come and tell me, there will be church discipline. I can figure out a way to make this work. You cannot spoil this for me, okay? I will be very upset about this. No spoilers when it comes to Star Wars. Now, obviously today we are not going to talk too much more about Star Wars, I don't think. Uh, But we are going to talk about the end of something far more important than Star Wars. We're going to talk about uh, the end of the world as we know it. We are talking about the return of Christ and the end of the reign of sin over this creation. Now, we've been talking about the end for the last few weeks here at the church because, uh, as you may or may not know, this is the last Sunday in the church year. The next uh, church year begins in Advent, next Sunday. But we've been looking at how we should think about the end of all things. And so, uh, first, we talked about the fact that as the church waits for Christ to come back, it will be under attack. Many false teachings will arise and people will sort of persecute the church. Then, last week, we talked about how we should... Uh, carry out our lives as we wait for Christ to return, faithfully fulfilling our vocations and trusting in the Lord. But now this week, we're going to look at specifically what is it we are waiting for? And we are going to ask the question, how will it all end? Not really so much with the signs and wonders business, but really personally. How will it all end for me? What will happen in the final chapter before Christ returns and starts this new book? the new heavens and the new earth. And I think our reading from Colossians today actually gives us a wonderful picture of what it means for Christ to return and to make all things right, how things will look in the end. 
And I love how Paul does this for us today. Paul is the author of the book of the Colossians, uh, to the Colossians. And he gives to us today a beautiful hymn. Now, we may not catch that in the way our English translation reads, but this is actually, uh, some scholars believe, one of the earliest hymns in the Christian church, and we can probably assume that Paul was the one who wrote it. And so he teaches uh, the church about life under the reign of Christ and how all things will come to an end by teaching them a song. Because Paul knows what all good preachers know, that you learn a lot more from the songs you sing in church than from the sermons that you hear, okay? This is a very true reality. And so he's going to sing Jesus into their hearts and give them hope. So what we're going to do today is we're going to just real briefly break down this hymn, and then we're going to talk about the implications for us as we await Christ's return. This hymn comes to us in three parts. It teaches us about how all things began, how things are now, and how things will all end. It's a hymn about the beginning, the middle, and the end, all under the reign of Christ. This is how the hymn goes. Paul first speaks, uh, sings about the beginning, about Jesus, that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn, that is the authority over all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Paul is saying, Jesus, the, the second person of the triune God, with the Father and the Holy Spirit, created everything. Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit, the triune God, are the source of life, the source of all things that exist. All things exist because of Jesus. Paul then begins to sing the second verse. He sings that in Christ all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. And now Paul here sings about the middle. What's going on in life right now where we are in the middle? That Christ is holding all things together and he is ruling over this creation as the one who is risen from the dead for the sake of his church. He rules over his church in love and mercy with forgiveness and grace, carrying us finally to the last day, taking us to what it is we are waiting for, to see our God face to face. And this leads him then to the last verse, which is about the end. For in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Jesus Christ, God in flesh, the first to rise from the dead, will ultimately and finally on the last day raise you and I up also from the dead. And we will, and here's how Paul describes the end of all things, we will be reconciled to God along with the rest of creation. All things, Paul says, will be reconciled. Now that's a beautiful hymn. It's a beautiful song about the beginning, how Christ made it all about the middle where now Christ reigns over all things and about the end when Christ will return and restore all things to the way he intended them to be in the beginning. It's a song about the past, the present, and the future. The beginning, the middle, and the end. Suppose with your hand motion you're supposed to go the same way every time. Nonetheless, that's maybe some of you read backwards, I don't know. Uh, and now you and I are gathered here today in the middle. 
Here we are this morning in the middle waiting for the end. And today here in the middle, we actually get what we might call today a beautiful spoiler. We get told how things will end. We don't have to wait to find out for Christ to return to see how things will end. Paul tells it to us right here. Everything will be reconciled. Christ will reconcile all things to himself. Now it's worth noting that this song assumes something that it doesn't actually state. It assumes uh, that things need reconciling. That things aren't good right now here in the middle. Yet, yes, though Christ created everything and though Christ is reigning over, thing, uh, over everything, not everything is working according to Christ's plan. Not everything is going according to the way he designed it to be. In fact, the result, what sin really is, is uh, God's creatures pushing back against his intended design for things. And you and I know this. You and I who live here in the middle waiting for Jesus are longing for him to return because we know that right now things are not the way they are supposed to be. And we long for that day when they are going to be that way, when they are going to be working according to God's will. This time of waiting right now is full of sorrow. It's full of anger and hatred and fear and death. Adam's sin and, and Eve's sin and, and your sin and my sin, our sins all go off like these little atomic bombs that ruin everything they touch, ruin everything Christ intended to be good, destroying everything that is meant to be given to us as a gift. And so we see in this obstinance towards God's word, things only seem to get worse. And we see like, there's like a list of ways in which we sin against God. You just go down the list and we find these sins just wreaking havoc on our world. We have this disdain for God's gifts. Our aspirational desires set us out to use what God has given for good for our own selfish purposes. We have a lack of courage to stand against all that is evil. We have an unwillingness to love those who don't see eye to eye with us. We have a disregard these days for our bodies and the way God has designed us to be. We have a disregard for other people's bodies, using them for our own lustful pleasures. We have a disregard for the institution, the gift, the creation of the family. Our culture has a disregard for babies in the womb. We have a disregard for marriage. We have a disregard for authority. We have a disregard for God himself. And this disregard is utterly uh, destroying God's good creation. Thus Paul says in Romans 8, the entire place is groaning and longing for God to do something about this, about us, and the damage we have caused here in the middle. And if this was a list that stuck to us like so many sticky notes in a children's message, <laughs> I really like that children's message today, it would not go well. If there was a list that stood against us, none of us could stand beneath that list. If we had that list pinned to us on the last day when Jesus Christ comes to judge the living and the dead, there would actually be no hope about the end whatsoever. David, uh, King David in the Old Testament once wrote these words. He said, if you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? And as we walk around and, and look at the uh, culture around us, as we look, if we're honest with ourselves, in the mirror, from our perspective here in the middle, Things don't look all that good. 
It doesn't look like things are going to end all that well for us. But now, here in the middle of the whole thing, Paul shows up with this, with this song. Here in the middle, where it's full of darkness, Paul shows up and sings some light. In fact, he brings us this song today, and it's a song about the beginning and the middle of, and the end, but we might say that he sings this song to us from the end. It's a song from the end of all things sung to us here right in the middle. The end has shown up in the middle, and it shows up to give us hope. It gives us hope in this world. It gives us a reason to live. It gives us a reason to love. It gives us a reason to fight for that which is true and good and beautiful. It gives us a reason to push back against the darkness and to serve those God has given us and to honor his name. David knows about this all the way back in the Psalms when he continues his psalm. If you kept the record of sins, who could stand? But with you, he says, there is forgiveness. No list, forgiveness. Therefore you are feared. And Paul sings the same tune when he says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether in earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. In the end, Christ will have reconciled all things to himself through the blood of the cross. What that means is Christ takes this list. He takes this record of sins that stands against us. He takes the books that list your sins in them and he's decided to do something with them. Not to present them to the Father as a case against you on the last day, but rather uh, to present them to the Father and say, this is what I am now going to pay for with my own blood. How really wonderful. He shows the Father what is owed for your sins and decides to pay the debt, to reconcile the books with his own blood. And his blood offsets your sins. His blood washes the ledger clean. And his blood presents you to God as forgiven and ready, prepared for the new creation that is to come. Paul will later on, if you continue reading through Colossians, and maybe that's something I can encourage you to do this week. It's a short book, and it's an incredible book. But as you continue reading through Colossians, Paul describes our situation here in the middle, looking towards the end in this way. He says that you and I, having been buried with Christ in baptism, in which you are also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Christ, having forgiven all of our trespasses. And here's our key. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, he set it aside, nailing it to the cross. That is to say that here already in the middle, the end of your sinful life has come to you. The end of the reign of sin over you has arrived. For God has already now forgiven all your trespasses. He has already now through Christ canceled the record of death that stands against you, nailing it to the cross, and there he left it. And he's not going back to look for it. He's not going back to the cross to make sure that you really are deserving of his forgiveness. No, because the reality is we aren't. But he's gracious enough to forgive. And so here in the middle, God has come to tell you now how it will end with this beautiful spoiler. You who were dead in your trespasses and sins, 
you are baptized into Christ Jesus, and you have been made alive with Christ, and you have been reconciled to God. This is the beautiful song that Paul sings to us today. The beautiful song of Christ. This blessed spoiler where who comes to us here in the middle where everything is falling apart and full of sin and darkness and shines the light of the end upon you with this promise. You have hope. For God has rescued you from the dominion of darkness and brought you into the kingdom of the Son He loves in whom you have redemption, the forgiveness of your sins. You are now and you will finally be reconciled to Him for all of eternity through the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for you. Amen. Let's pray. Merciful Father, we give You thanks for the forgiveness of our sins. We give You thanks that You have reconciled us through Your Son, Jesus Christ. And now, Lord, we pray that You would sustain us in our faith all the way into life everlasting as You nourish us with Your promises and Your sacraments. And now, Lord, be with us and grant us Your hope all the way to the end. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.